John, tell me what it was like. Tell me what it was like to be in Memphis for game one, what the crowd was like, what it was like to be around the Timberwolves as they won, they beat a number two seed in the playoffs. Yeah, it was a unbelievable game and a really cool atmosphere. I've always, I've never been to Memphis before. I've never been to the um, the Grindhouse, they call it, to the FedEx Forum. And you always watch from afar and you talk to people around the league about the atmospheres and buildings and which ones are kind of the best home court advantages and things. And Memphis always does come up. And I will say that I, it was jumping in there early. Everyone was really into it. And then it was really interesting as the game went along, you could kind of feel a tension in the building because not just that the the Grizzlies were losing, but the way that the Timberwolves were playing and the way that they closed that game out there was definitely just this feeling as people kind of streamed out in the fourth quarter of like, uh-oh, like this team is really good. We we may have underestimated what we were up against here with the, this 2-7. And so uh, to kind of see the way that Anthony Edwards handled his first playoff game, to see the way that Carl Anthony Towns bounced back from the Clippers uh, debacle earlier in the week, um, there was a lot of just confidence flowing through the Timberwolves because they already knew or they believed uh, that they matched up well against the Grizzlies. So to see it play out the way that it did, uh, it was definitely kind of an eye-opening experience. You're just not used to seeing good things happen to the Timberwolves on a big stage. And uh, they really played well and came through in game one. He's John Krasinski. This is the John Krasinski Show, part of TalkNorth.com. John is in Memphis. Uh, we are recording on Monday morning, uh, day before game two in Memphis. Also, I'm looking forward to covering the team when it gets back home. Uh, check out TalkNorth.com for all of our shows. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see all the shows as they are released. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sponsors, Headflyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Memorial Blood Center, Manscaped, and All Energy Solar. So, you know, going in, John, I felt like this was kind of a toss-up series. And as you know, I'm I'm not uh, the biggest homer. I'm not somebody who's just going to pump up the local team. You're Mr. Optimist. So. Let's I, go. Well, I'm, yeah, I, I, that's my <laughs> second nickname. But I really thought this is a great matchup. I, I thought that Towns would bounce back from, you know, playing the wrong way in the play-in game. I think Edwards is absolutely ready for this. I like the team's depth. Uh, so I thought it was kind of a coin flip series. Uh, how did you look at it going in, and, and did Game One change your perspective at all? Yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I'm, I was on the same page because I do think that what the playoffs are about are two things: stars and matchups. And um, I, my theory was that the Timberwolves had two of the best three players in this series, with Towns and Edwards, and then John Morant for the Grizzlies. And that is certainly what it looked like in game one. Jaron Jackson Jr., the, 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 the Grizzlies' other, you know, kind of star player, um, really had a rough game. Did, you know, he looked like the moment was a little bit too big for him. He was too excited. He was too wound up and, and didn't play well. I'm sure he will play much better in game two. But just the overall high-end talent, you mix in D'Angelo Russell there, um, I, I just thought that the Wolves had more of it at the top. I thought the Grizzlies were deeper, one through 10 or 11, um, but the Wolves were better at the top. And and depth is not as big of an issue uh, in the playoffs as it is during the regular season because with 
two days between games, things like that. Guys are going to play 38, 40 minutes a night. Like that's just the way what you do with your star players. So I figured that would go in the Timberwolves favor. The other part of the matchup that I liked was that, you know, Memphis does things really, really well, but the things that really, really hurt the Timberwolves in particular ball movement to wide open three pointers on defense, the the Grizzlies don't do that very well. They don't shoot a lot of threes. They don't make a lot of threes. They don't generate a lot of threes off of ball movement. Um, And so I thought that defensively the Wolves could hold their own. I mean, John Moran is incredible. He gets into the paint. He, uh, he does so much damage and he did a lot of that in game one, but what he was unable to do was to get the ball moving around so that a bunch of shooters knock down threes and, and, and do it. This turned into a math problem for the Grizzlies. The Wolves made 16 threes. The Grizzlies made seven and the Wolves win by what? 13 points. So I, I think that that's going to, that's going to be a trend that may hold up through this series and that gives the Timberwolves a very good chance of winning this series because they have the two best players and just schematically they match up really well. If they were playing Phoenix, maybe even if they were playing Golden State, teams that really move the ball, can hit open threes, can really defend you that way, I think it would I would be a lot more pessimistic. But the, the Grizzlies are just such a good matchup for them that I, I really like how this series is shaping up for them. And what we saw in game one was kind of an explication of what seemed to be a bizarre stat, which was the Grizzlies play even better when Tyus Jones leads them than when John Morant does, which doesn't make any sense. John Morant's a great player. He's an MVP type player. He's spectacular to watch. But you do see that Ja is working like crazy to get to the rim to score a two-point basket against, you know, against tough defenses. And you do see his teammates standing around watching him a little bit. Whereas when Tyus is on the floor, it's if you're open, the ball's hitting you in the shooting pocket. Right. Yeah. And and I think the one time in game one where the Grizzlies did look like the better team out there is what in the second quarter, Tyus came in and was running second unit versus second unit. And they they just wiped out the uh, the deficit that they were facing after one. They were down eight after one. And that was gone within like three or four minutes in the in the second quarter with the way that Tyus was orchestrating. Um, and so, yeah, you're right in terms of I mean, John Moran is clearly a an all world player. He scored 32 points. He had 20 free throws. I mean, he was he was really putting a lot of pressure on the defense, but it was a different kind of set of circumstances. And you did see then um, that Chris Finch made some adjustments to that in the, in the second half in terms of playing Carl Anthony Towns a ton, really kind of cutting back Nas, Nas Reed's minutes quite a bit and, and, um, uh, and just kind of keeping his big players out there for a lot longer. I thought Jim that um, that Finch really out coached Taylor Jenkins in that first game because Jenkins, he stayed with Steven Adams on Carl Anthony towns way too much. We can get in that in a little bit, but also, you know, he played John Morant 35 minutes. He played Desmond Bain 33 minutes. He played Dylan Brooks 35 minutes. Those, those numbers are going to have to go up. Like he, he's going to have to realize that, um, 
you know, as much help and as much of a difference as that second unit made for them in the regular season, this is a different game in the playoffs. And if he doesn't get those numbers up to 38, 40 minutes, um, they, they're, they're going to have, they're going to continue to have trouble with the Timberwolves. Do you think Towns played better than he did on Tuesday against the Clippers simply because of things he did differently, or was it more of a matchup or a combination of the two? Yeah, it was definitely a combination of the two, Jim. First of all, um, I I cannot understand why Taylor Jenkins put Steven Adams on Towns as much as he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the blueprint was put out there by the Clippers on Tuesday to you know the, to put the small on Towns, double off of him very quickly, and and just kind of be physical and and swipe and and get under his skin. Now, I don't think the Grizzlies are as equipped to have that kind of approach as the Clippers were clearly, but they do have some pieces. They have Brandon Clark, you know, they have Zaire Williams, they have um, you know, some length at, at the four that could bother towns and then get a little bit more aggressive with the doubles off of that. Um, and so from that aspect of things, I just thought it was a really big mistake from Taylor Jenkins to not try that approach a little bit more. I would expect to see a lot more of that in game two, but secondly, and to give towns a lot of credit, like he went about things differently in this playoff game. He, he didn't commit his first foul until the fourth quarter. He just made really smart decisions on sort of what plays to go after and what ones to say, you know what? Um, I have uh, I, I can't get there. I can't get there for this rebound. I can't get there for this shot contest. And so instead of picking up a cheap foul, I'm going to just let this go. And that's the right way to do it for him. Um, you know, he he got a couple. There were a couple of times in the game where he was a little frazzled. He was kind of arguing with the refs or, or, or things like that. But in general, he kept his composure and kept his cool. And he was excellent. Twenty nine points on eleven of eighteen. Uh, 13 rebounds, three assists, couple of block shots, just like that's the towns that we have seen all season long and not the one that we saw in that Clipper game. So he really responded well. I think that this is a good matchup for him with Adams and Jackson and 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 those guys so he can he can continue to do damage, but as long as he plays a disciplined style where he is not getting in foul trouble and he is not losing his composure too much um I, you know that's that's going to be just an enormous key for the wolves going through the rest of this series do you sense that towns simply uh you know came to came to his own realization of you know that he needed a change or do you think this is more a matter of the coaching staff working with him to help him I, I mean, I, th- I do think that the coaches certainly had a conversation with him. He actually, Towns actually said before game one that he uh, spoke to Ke- Kevin Garnett a little bit mm-hmm. about things. Um, you don't necessarily associate Kevin Garnett with like composure on the court. <laughs> he's a very emotional guy, but I do think he's a good person to talk to because he did wear his heart on his sleeve, but he still found a way to not let that derail him. He channeled that energy and that fire in the right way. Um, so I do think he had conversations with people about that and the importance of that. That said, Jim, I do think like he knew, like he, he saw the discourse, like, and he just knew watching the film and, and coming off of that game 
that uh, he fell short and that he needed to get back to it. Part of it, in fairness, was that was the two-year anniversary of his mother's death. And yep. I still do think that he is really affected strongly um, by set kind of those significant days on the calendar, understandably so. And I don't think he was in a very good headspace going into that game. And so all of that kind of conspired to go against him. Um, but absolutely, he did some, you know, kind of inner uh, self-reflection and, 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 and looking at how he played in that Clippers game and just was like, look, this is unacceptable. I can't. I can't be doing this. And if I do this, we don't have a chance. And so uh, to credit to him in terms of just like understanding the adjustments that he had to make and then going out there and doing it. It's one thing to tell yourself, I'm going to do it this way. It's another thing to get into the heat of battle, to be you know in that pressure cooker and still find a way to keep it together. And he did that. He did. No doubt about it. Hey, tell us about Head Flyer Brewing. That's right. So uh, Head Flyer Brewing, it's uh, right on the corner or right on Hennepin Avenue in Northeast Minneapolis, right off of 35W, super easy to get to, a great brewery with great beers and a couple of really cool things that they've that they've got going on. First of all, um, they have the Crunch Time beer that uh, that I collaborated with them on that came out just last week, right before the play in game. They had a really good crowd for the play in game. They had a great crowd for game one uh to to watch the game on Saturday and a lot of beer flowing so if you are a Wolves fan and you do not have tickets to the game stop by Head Flyer Brewing ask for a crunch time beer if you wear a Wolves shirt um one of their they have super cool Wolves shirts that they made if you get one of those you get dollar off a pint of crunch time or any other beer uh there and so on Thursday night game 3 or Tuesday night game 2 uh, stop by to Head Flyer Brewing and and with your Wolves gear and and enjoy some Crunch Time beer. Also, this Saturday coming up, their fifth anniversary party. They will have music. They will have um, food. They will have all the great beers that we like there. Um, you know, Wicked Jump Shot. It was all a dream. IPAs. All these. All these just great beers. So uh, really celebrating the fifth anniversary of a great local brewery with great guys. Uh, running the show there. So stop in and and tell them that the John Krasinski show sent you. Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis, right on Hennepin Avenue, just off 35W. Last week, my blocked muted show, my guest was Steve Terry because he was sitting courtside at the Wolves play-in game victory. He was hilarious talking about it. Check that show out as well. And thanks to TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. Steve Terry's in Memphis for these games. I uh, can't wait to talk to him again about all that. Uh, but what you want to remember is if you are injured, call 612-TSR-TIME. They'll take good care of you. It's that simple. 612-TSR-TIME. And thanks also to our friends at Memorial Blood Center who are doing really important work in Minnesota. This month, give blood with local Memorial Blood Centers and you'll make twice the impact. For every unit of blood donated, Memorial Blood Centers will donate $1 to Second Harvest Heartland, helping ensure folks living with food insecurity can get healthy, nutritious food that they need. Double your impact without even having to open your wallet. Learn more about how you can help or schedule an appointment to give blood at mbc.org or call 1-888-448-3253. Your community is counting on you. So let's get to the guy who might have been the best player on the court, Anthony Edwards. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's, you know, I don't know if we give him credit for being mature beyond his years or we credit him for being, you know, so youthful and relaxed that, 
you know, that he's not aware of what he's accomplishing. Well, I guess that's the question. Is he mature beyond his years or is he just kind of a, a, a likable kid who just doesn't worry about all the pressure he might be under if he realized he was under it? Yeah, I, I think it's I, I think it's something like this, Jim. I think like he feeds so much off of the energy in a building. Um, the 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 brightness of the lights, the size of the stage, like that is what um I, I guess that's just kind of the way that he operates. You know, when he was, you know, st- in, in earlier in the season, if there's a, a a smaller crowd or if he, you know, went to a road game in Sacramento or Orlando or something and it was pretty sparse, that's where he has a harder time getting his juices flowing. But it when when you step into a, a cauldron like it was in Memphis for game one, and like he said after the game, you have eight and ten year olds telling him that he sucks and to go sit down. When you have John Morant's father, T, sitting courtside and just yapping in his ear, there are some people that that get distracted by that, and there are some people that just lock in because of that. And he's a guy that absolutely locks in, and um, he thrives under those conditions. And that is the best thing that the Timberwolves could hope for, right? Because all of these games going forward are going to be bananas, are going to be tense, are going to be emotional. And there's going to be just, you know, uh, either you know, if for game two, it's going to be a, a hostile environment. For game three, it's going to be an incredibly supportive and euphoric environment for him. And so to have a player who can kind of absorb that energy and then turn it into just unbelievable play on the court. Like that's it's franchise changing, Jim. Like it's not that it is not. There's no way to overstate how important you know, someone like this is and the ability to handle those moments. I mean, that's what all of the great ones are able to do. And yes, Edwards has some work to do. He has a, a, a long way to go to really become truly great and consistently great, but he has the makeup and the attitude and all of the intangible things that say, this is going to be a player that you can just climb on his back and he will carry you in those big moments. Some of the shots that he hit in game one were absolutely insane. And it's not like Memphis was not putting a lot of attention on him. It's not like, they weren't getting hands in his face. They were doing all of those things and he was still knocking them down. And so they, the wolves really right now have a weapon that is unstoppable when he is rolling. It doesn't matter what you throw at him. And the, the fact that he gets up so much for this kind of an environment really just says that there, you can probably feel good about relying on is he going to go is he going to go for 36 every game no but like on relying on getting a really quality Anthony Edwards performance pretty much night in and night out in these playoffs that's an unbelievable advantage for the wolves to have uh, no doubt about it and he's a blast on top of everything he's a blast to watch he's just so athletic uh he's so fun i mean it, it, there just aren't many people who combine what he combines which is incredible athletic ability strength toughness 
and, you know, ability to handle the big moment and also the ability to play with joy. I mean, we, what we see so often in modern sports is every time somebody makes a play, they like have this defiant, you know, oh, the world said I couldn't do that. And I just did it. Reactions like there's so much anger, you know, pent up. And and Edwards just kind of does stuff like, oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. It's it, it it's a really great vibe. I do think it like helps his teammates, um, just like uh, to 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 sort of take down the temperature a little bit and and let them just relax a little. So he he has that. And then what he also does is anytime the the Grizzlies made a a, a bit of a run when he was on the floor. You know, there there was one sequence. Um, I think it was late third, early fourth, late third. Uh, Dylan Brooks hits a three. I think it's tied around tied at 89 or something like that. And, and he, and Dylan Brooks is a very much a, they're Patrick Beverly. He's a, he's a yapper. He's a, he, he's tries to get under your skin and he's, he's just John at Edwards and, and trying to talk some trash. And Edwards just said, give me the ball. And he <laughs> grabbed the ball on the, on the right wing, just drove right to the basket right by everyone scored a layup, put the wolves back in front, took a little bit of the, the air out of the balloon. Like that's what he can do is when he, when he makes up his mind to do something. Um, and if you don't have three guys on him, there's no stopping him. And that you could see was demoralizing for the Grizzlies. Like you saw the, the shoulders slump sometimes when they're thinking, damn it. Like I was right there and I still couldn't get the stop. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, you know, kind of puts, as as uh, as Edwards has said, it, it puts fear in their eyes because no matter what they throw at him, it's not good enough. And to see a team like the Grizzlies that is so confident, that is so, um, you know, uh, I guess emotional that 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 believes in itself to such a degree really have a lot of that belief taken away in the fourth quarter like you don't see that often from this team and and so that that I just thought was a very telling sort of vibe on the court is that they couldn't do anything with Anthony Edwards and when they did do something with Anthony Edwards Carl Anthony Towns was was cleaning it up and 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 taking care of it when the ball got to his hands. So um, it's a very uh, potent combination that those two have. And, and that's what is, I think really got people thinking that this wasn't just a fluke, that this is a possibility of, of the, the Grizzlies being in real trouble. John Krasinski's world famous manscaped ad coming up in a minute. Want to tell you that uh, solar as a home improvement project is a really good idea. We're heading into the spring. I promise it will get here eventually and the summer building and remodeling season when considering property upgrades for home or business, solar should be under consideration. Here are some facts to consider. Most home improvement projects don't pay for themselves until the property is sold. Solar pays back regardless of property sale. Most systems are warrantied for 25 to 30 years. After 30 years of operation, solar could have paid paid back 300 to 400% of the cost. And when you read, we got to think about resale. If you're going to put this much money into your current house, if you're going to buy a house in this market, you're going to want to be able to resell it at a high price when the time is right. And solar will be a major selling point. It's already a major selling point. It's going to be an even bigger, major sell, bigger selling point in the future. So go to 
allenergysolar.com and check out your options. Again, allenergysolar.com. And now let's hear John on Manscaped. Fellas, have you started spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the other four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code manscape with the code athletic excuse me manscaped has the full package you need for sp- spring cleaning this year the performance package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips your partner wants to start your spring cleaning use the manscaped lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to get the most precise shave on your hedges did we mention it's waterproof as well no need to worry about watering your grass with this tool equipped with an led light so you know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. The start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month in April. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as we as part of their We Save Balls initiative. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code athletic at manscaped.com. Thanks to Manscaped. Thanks to All Energy Solar. Let's talk about another young player. In fact, same draft as Edwards. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, if, if Edwards is the best player on the court, McDaniels is the most efficient player on the court. Highest uh, plus minus, I think at plus 19. Uh, shot the ball efficiently, made big threes, blocked shots. He was everywhere. He was everywhere, man. Um, it was, you know, we we talked about it when he went down with his ankle injury and how ominous that was, because not only is he one of their best, if not the be- their, their if not their best defender, he was really coming along offensively in terms of making shots, in terms of creating, in terms of getting to the basket, all of those things. Um he he just was really felt like he was really coming into his own. Then he has the ankle injury. He misses nine games, I think. Um, and when he came back, he was starting to get him, his legs back underneath him. He's, he's still not 100%, but the performance that he gave in game one was just incredibly encouraging, like uh, 15 points, seven boards, uh, three block shots, you know, block John Morant um, at the rim, comes down, hits a corner three in a huge sequence in the fourth quarter to really keep the the Grizzlies at bay. Uh, just everything that he gave them was so important. Now, he picked up five fouls. That's been a, a recurring theme for him for much of the season. But um, to have those long arms out there, to make it difficult on John Morant, to be able to switch onto other players, it was just a huge thing. And then, you know, he is one of those guys – who, you know, if Carl Anthony Towns is emotional, if Patrick Beverly is emotional, you know, maybe Malik Beasley's a little emotional and he played great as well. But Jaden McDaniels is just, you know, like his his face is like stone. You just never know uh, that that anything is affecting him. So he has a real calming influence on the team, even which, you know, for a player who is 21 years old, is pretty remarkable in his first in his first playoffs. Um, his demeanor, you know, everything that that he brings to the table is just so important. And you know, I was talking to people after the game just about 
you know, what they saw and, and what, you know, what are going to be keys. And, you know, they were raving about J- Jaden McDaniels and not just like for the present here, but there's a belief that as he goes along, as he develops, as he you know, gets a little stronger, puts a little more weight on all of those things, like he is going to be an enormous part of what this team becomes going on into the, uh, into the next couple of years here. And so, um, just a, a a terrific first a, a, a performance for him. You put him and Anthony Edwards together, uh, and you know that is an all time all time good draft. Hat tip to Gerson Rosas, who uh, who was fired justifiably, but uh, made some really good moves. And that to get those two guys at one and twenty six or twenty seven, like that's the, the that that changes the fortunes of a franchise for sure. The initial reaction everyone has when they see somebody with Jaden McDaniel's body type is, oh, got to put on weight, got to, you know, got to bulk up to play in the NBA. But we have seen, you know, slender players succeed in the NBA. Tayshawn Prince never really put on any muscle. Uh, Allen Iverson was very strong for his size, but he was always lean as heck. Does he really need to change anything? I don't think he needs to change. I don't think he needs to become like he, I don't think he needs to, I would say change his sort of body composition. You're right. In terms of he's lean. Um, and, and, you know, Kevin Durant is, is long and skinny. Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't think it's that. I just think it's, um, I just think he needs to get more wiry strong. So, um, he just needs to kind of grow into his body a little bit more and, and just add more kind of lean muscle than, than anything else. He doesn't need to bulk up. He doesn't need to, um, to, to really become like a 230 pound guy or anything like that. But I just think that he will get a little bit more, um, grown man strength and, 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 and work that way so that he can stand up even more so to fours when he switches on to them. Um, maybe so he can kind of box out a little bit more and just has a little bit more strength to kind of move people around. But he, do, you do want to kind of preserve the combination that he has in terms of, you know, super long arms. I think he's, you know, he's six, nine, he's probably going to end up being around six ten, I think. Um, but, uh, and then having that quickness uh, and, and being light on his feet, like that's really important to his entire game. So, um, I don't think that the wolves will ask him this summer to, you know, eat 10,000 calories a day and like, and, 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 be, and come back like Giannis. Um, you don't want him like that, but he does need to just add some, some muscle to his frame just to make sure that his body holds up over 82 games and playoffs and, and can hold up to that long, that long, all the punishment that you receive over a long season. What'd you make of Delo's performance? You know, he, he wasn't very good. Um, here's what I'll say. Like, two for 11, um, really kind of made some questionable shot selection decisions while he was trying to get himself going there. And and so he wasn't very good that way. But the one thing that I will give him is the Wolves uh, – the their worst quarter of the of the game for the Wolves were the second quarter, the last 29-24. They committed 11 turnovers in that quarter, and that was the quarter that D'Angelo Russell played the fewest amount of minutes. Um, it, so when he came back in, uh, they only had – so he played a lot in the second half. The Wolves only had four turnovers in the second half. They had 13 in the first, in the first half. So Russell did a good job of um, – 
kind of controlling the flow a little bit of, of, you know, he had eight assists. He, he quarterbacked the offense a little bit more. And then he hit a huge shot in the fourth quarter, a deep three when you think he was like one for 10 at the time. Um, and, and, and so that was very timely. So he came through in a big moment and I do think he did help settle down the offense in the second half and gave them something that way. So that was very good. It's just the shooting and the shot selection, uh, need to be better. And I do think like you, you, you kind of look ahead to game two and you say, well, you know, the Grizzlies are going to play a lot better in game two. That is true. I'm sure they're going to play a lot better. I'm sure they're going to come out more determined. They're going to be more physical. This is going to be a more difficult game. But when you look at the Wolves, like I don't think game one was their best game. I think that if they get better, they get more from D'Angelo Russell. They don't quite foul as much and give you know the, the Grizzlies 43 free throws. Uh, those are kind of things that they can do differently to kind of help their performance. So um, you know, all in all, you, you definitely wanted more from from D'Lo, but I think he was able to do enough little things to help them in big moments. Um, you know, to to kind of offset the really poor shooting that we saw out there. Have you gotten out to see the city at all, Memphis? A little bit, a little bit. Um, to be honest, you know, we went out Friday night. A little, I've never been to Memphis before, and so I'm I was very excited to see it. We went to Beale Street on Friday night. Now, it rained a little bit earlier in the evening, and there were not that many people out at all. Um, and Easter so it was weekend, a little, like, too. Yeah, and it was Easter weekend, and so it was a little underwhelming. Um, on Saturday night, we got out a little after the game. It was definitely much more festive. I've had some good barbecue already. I'm looking forward to doing a little bit of more of that. I know that kind of the beat writer crew were planning on after shoot-around on you know Tuesday to go to – um, the Civil Rights Museum to go see the Martin Luther King um, area and 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 do all that. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a cool vibe. It's a it's a very you know it's very different. You know to think it, it feels a lot more college towny than yes. um, than than big city you know pro city thing. And I and that's cool. I like it. Um, the forum was great. Uh, the, the 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 crowd was great. I, I I do like the just the overall vibe of the fans. I mean, even after they lost in game one, um, you know, a lot of them were kind of saying, and I saw it on social media and stuff like, man, I want to hate the Timberwolves, but Anthony Edwards is so fun, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a good attitude and a good vibe around here. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing even more of it here today. We're off, you know, we got, we have a little practice today and then we'll get out tonight and then, and then tomorrow, and you know, I think the way things are shaping up, I'd be shocked if we're not back here for a game five. And you know, I know you're a big shot sports writer, so you probably get two first class seats. Uh, no. And if one of if you want to fill one of those first class seats with a brand new Gibson guitar from the Gibson Factory, I will take I will take care of it for you. I mean, that's just okay. My offer. Well, that, that's good to know. I I, yeah. I I wasn't sure if you'd be amenable to that because I figured you already loaded up with axes and that you have state of the art equipment, but. Because uh, because you, you said that, I might uh, go out and see if I can find something for you. Gibson E335 in cherry red. I will take that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, hey, gotcha. So game two adjustments. Obviously, the Grizzlies are going to do something different uh, as well as trying to do things better. What do you think they do? And uh, do the Wolves have logical counters to whatever you think they're going to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I if they don't change it up and play Steven Adams a lot less and go a little smaller – with Brandon Clark, um, 
it's going to be a short series. Like that's just the, the fact. And so I'm Taylor Jenkins is a really, really good coach. I'm sure he's going to make that adjustment. I, the other thing that I would expect Jaron Jackson jr. I would expect to play better. He, he was, he had a nightmare first game. He had seven blocks. So that was great, but he had 12 points. He had five fouls. He's in foul trouble all game. He had a technical foul. He was really frustrated. He was, he was flailing. He was over five from three. I think that's going to change a little bit and you can expect the Grizzlies to be more determined to get out in transition even more and to be better rebounding. Like we, we thought that going into this, this series that the rebounding was going to be so overwhelmingly in favor of Memphis. They are the best re- offensive rebounding team in the league. They are, and the wolves are one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the league. But what we saw in game one Wolves out-rebounded them 46 to 35. They out-rebounded them on the offensive glass 11 to 8. They outscored the Grizzlies 19 to 14 in second chance points. And that is kind of what I've been getting at from earlier in the conversation where a lot of the things that Memphis can do well to hurt you, the Wolves can kind of absorb that because the, the, the Grizzlies are a great offensive rebounding team. The Wolves are a great offensive rebounding team as well. And so you know, that, that gap is, is not a big one. Um, the, the, the Grizzlies, you know, you could say, well, they're going to shoot better than seven for 27 from three and they might, but in general this season, I think their, their average in the four games against the wolves was like nine for 31. So they don't do that. And so in that, in those respects, some of the counters that the Grizzlies have are, are, are not of grave concern to the Timberwolves. But I just do overall expect a much more gritty, a much grittier, much more determined kind of effort in game two from the Grizzlies. I think they're going to try to get under Towns' skin, get physical with him, get chippy with him, and see if they can get him off of his game. And so they're just going to come out guns blazing because if they go down 2 nothing, uh, going back to target center, uh, it's going to be a real mountain for them to climb. Um, so I just think that uh, you're going to see them play harder. They are a very proud team. They're a very good team. Um, and and they're going to be crisp because I think they were maybe a little rusty after a week off uh, in that game as well. So uh, I, I fully expect them to throw a huge punch, maybe even to win the game. Um, but the Wolves have a lot of counters for what the Grizzlies can throw at them, which is what makes this thing so interesting. No doubt about it. Uh, God, I love play play basketball. It's so much fun to have this team involved. One more topic today. Thanks again to Manscaped, All Energy Solar, Head Flyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, Memorial Blood Center, and our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. We really appreciate it. Uh, Let's go really big picture here for the last topic. I, In that way that you can sense things without necessarily being able to prove them, it feels to me like this right now is a Timberwolves town. And we know it's mm. always a Vikings town, and we know it can be a Twins town, and if, and certainly hockey fans love their wild. But this feels like to me like a moment in time when the Wolves are the story. They are what everybody is talking about. A hundred percent, Jim. No question about it. Like it's you walk around the city and you see Timberwolves gear. Um Obviously, the mentions on social media, the comments in our stories, like all of those things are building up and 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 really kind of crescendoing right now. 
Uh, they have, you know, one thing like the, the, the wolves have removed the tarps from the uh, upper de- deck end zones in target center and they're selling those seats um, for games three and four. And so the demand has picked up for tickets. You can't, the, the merchandise is sold out everywhere. I know the wolves are kind of like working hard to try and replenish uh, their t-shirts and their jerseys and everything because everyone is just buying them up. Um, out there, you know, in the marketplace and to get this win, Jim, like no matter what happens in game two, um, it really, I think, validates a lot of the excitement, but nervous excitement that Wolves fans were having about this team. They still didn't know. Could we trust them? Could, you know, are they just going to fall flat? Is this the same old Wolves? Well, they came out in game one and played incredibly well. Anthony Edwards is going to be one of the breakthrough stars of the playoffs. Um, if this comes, if they keep kind of rolling that way and like, you know, I know we still have game two and it's an important game and I think the wolves absolutely can win it. But just after the fact of winning game one and, and, and the energy and the excitement that you feel kind of about this team game three uh, coming up on Thursday night in target center is going to be one of the great scenes this franchise has ever had. And that's not hyperbole. Like that is absolutely um, in play here because these fans really believe in this team, in this coach. They believe that this is kind of the start of something kind of going forward for the next several years. And I think that the environment is going to be just incredible i cannot wait for it to get here um and and just to kind of see a a town really start to come alive again and they are absolutely embracing the wolves they are coming out of the woodwork and it you know it's gonna be it's it's just really fun to see for a guy who's covered this team for 17 years and been told for so long that nobody cares um to see that just so flatly um, rejected and 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 countered the way that it, that this community is is doing it right now, it's just it's it's really really fun. No doubt about it. Great way to end this show. We'll be back talking more playoff basketball here soon. Thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com and thanks for listening to the Giant Brzezinski Show. Mm-hmm.